Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to church today here across the campus's 12 Stone home. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you for the pity clap. I felt like I was at a golf course, and it was like a missed putt. So thank you for starting off so encouraging today. Nope, doesn't count, doesn't count. That's just salt in the wound from the first one, doesn't count. Let me, let me tell you a prayer that I've been praying over you privately for months now. And, and one of the things that, that God asked me to do in the calling of a pastor is to pray for you. And this is a prayer that I've been praying for months now over you in this church. It's from Psalm 92 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. That word flourish is not one you hear a lot, right? Like when's the last time you were talking to somebody and go, I'm really flourishing right now. It's kind of not a normal word. But the picture of that word is that if you would put your roots into a church and plant yourself that your life would be flourishing, living. There would be, there would be hope and joy and peace amidst that, that. That my prayer for you is that for those that call this place home, that you just wouldn't attend church here. That you just wouldn't do church stuff and serve here, but that your life would flourish. And yet that verse is sort of juxtaposed on this backdrop. It's like, did your graphics guy mess up the verse? Because that, like, that doesn't look flourishing. You know what that's a picture of? Anyone know? That's Death Valley, California. It is the deadest, starkest, emptiest, driest place in America. Nothing can live there. Like it's, it's a dead, dead, dead place. And I put the picture up there because let's just be honest. For many of us, our faith feels more like Death Valley than Psalm 92. Can we just admit that? There's seasons where you feel like you're in a dry and dead place with God, and you're like, Psalm 92 sounds great for a bumper sticker, but it's not my experience. I feel like I'm by myself. It's dry. I'm alone. There's no life to it. But here's, here's what's fascinating. In the winter of 2004 in Death Valley, something happened that never happens in Death Valley. It rained. Not just like a sprinkle, seven inches of rain in one day, like downpour in Death Valley. And meteorologists have studied this. They don't even know why. You can go on Google and Google this. What happened was that next spring after the rain, didn't happen immediately, but that next spring after the rain, something that scientists call a super bloom happened. And you get, you get a chance to see the same Death Valley but the floor of the desert is carpeted in flowers and beauty. And you're like, what, what happened? See, maybe what we discover is that Death Valley had the wrong name. Because listen, Death Valley wasn't dead. It was just dormant. Beneath the surface of the cracked, dry desert ground were seeds of potential waiting for a rain shower, for life to return to a place that feels dry and dead and barren and stark. And, and, and the reality is this, right beneath the surface of your life, right beneath the surface of your faith, there are seeds of potential. But the problem is our faith doesn't always feel like that. 
See, the, the reality is you can't make your faith or your life look like that on your own. Any more than Death Valley could have become that without the rain. See, in the month of May, we're going to be asking this question, simply this. Are you settling for less than God offers in your faith? That's the question for the entirety of the month of May. Like, if you were honest, just you and someone you trusted or you in the mirror, are you settling for less than God offers you? Does your faith feel more like a desert than a super bloom? Does that word flourishing define your faith well? Or are you like, yeah, that's way down there. I'm in death valley right now. Because, listen, inside the month of May, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the person of the Holy Spirit. You need to be here for the month of May, church, because I believe God wants to do something among us and in you personally that could change everything about how you experience faith. That could change everything about your experience of God and what it means to follow him. Like, what if in the month of May, God would do something in us as believers, in us as a church that could change everything? That what if the gap in your faith between Death Valley and Super Bloom is our lack of understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? And what if, let me just, for some of us, we need to say this, this simply. In our metaphor for our faith, the rain that fell in Death Valley, what that is for our faith the Holy Spirit is the rain. If you're a believer, the thing that takes you from dead or dormant faith to living, flourishing faith is the Holy Spirit. Like, if I just got to be that clear. And that's why we're sitting inside the month of May doing this. <clears throat> now, the problem, when I say the word Holy Spirit, we have all kinds of back, backgrounds and, and sort of upbringings and experience with that word. Like, maybe you grew up in a tradition more like the, the Southern Baptist sort of world, and the Holy Spirit wasn't really talked about a bunch. In fact, Pastor Trey, who grew up Southern Baptist, the joke is the Trinity in the Southern Baptist world is the Father and the Son and the Holy Scriptures. Like, there's not even a Holy Spirit. It's the Bible's the third leg of the Trinity. And then maybe you grew up opposite, where you were more charismatic or Pentecostal in your upbringing, and, and the only person in the Trinity you ever heard talked about was the Holy Spirit. Like, Father who? Son what? Holy Spirit, like that's, that's what you grew up in. I, I, don't, I don't know your experience, so, so allow me to give you 90 seconds of a basic doctrine of the Holy Spirit so we can all be on the same page, all right? So here's what you need to know about the Holy Spirit to start us off. First of all, this. Nope, we're skipping John 16. Jesus said that. It's really important. Read it in your devotions this week. So Somebody's going to do it, and it's going to be an awesome story someday. I can't wait to tell it. So first, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It is not Father, Son, Holy Scriptures. It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That is the Godhead. I don't have time to explain Trinitarian theology right now. But God is three persons in one. Next here. The Holy Spirit is fully God, not a lesser version of God. It's not God Jr., it's not the regional manager to God's boss CEO. Like, this is fully God. Next, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a force, not a ghost. He's not weird. And for those of you that think the Holy Spirit's weird, it's not that he's weird. It's that you know someone who always talks about him, and they're weird, all right? <laughs> he's not weird. Next one. He wasn't created, and in fact, he was present at creation, God didn't create the Holy Spirit. Here's what scripture tells us. Let us make mankind in our image. Us is the Trinity present at creation. And then lastly, 
The moment you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Like you don't have to go earn it or graduate into it. When you become a follower of Jesus, God takes up residence by his spirit in you. Here's what scripture tells us. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And church, I might ask the same question in this series. Do you not know? Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, has taken up residence in you. You're a temple of Almighty God. He's not an over there God. He's an in here God. And, and, and for this last point, the reason I, I have to talk to a specific group, and here's who I'm talking to. For the month of May, we're talking to people who are followers of Jesus already, but they have settled for less than God offers. Like you, you've settled and you've said, well, I guess my faith will always feel like Death Valley. I got to white knuckle this thing. I got to keep striving and working for it. It'll never feel like it's flourishing, but I'm going to stay the course. I want to get to heaven. I, I want to see Jesus someday, but my faith is just going to be less than. You feel destined to have a faith like Death Valley. I'm talking to you for this month. Now, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you do not have the Holy Spirit, and that's okay right now. But I want you to listen in over this month because everything I'm saying, even though you, you can't experience it without the Holy Spirit, this is what God wants for you. Like, this is what he wants to bring to your life as well. So I am talking primarily to followers of Jesus who have settled for less. So I'm going to do two things. First part of the teaching is I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. And then I'm going to tell you how we get access to it. How you might have settled for less than what I'm about to explain. So here's the three points. I'll give them to you fast, and then we'll unpack them. The Holy Spirit brings clarity through God's truth. Then the Holy Spirit brings nearness through intimacy with God. Then the Holy Spirit brings freedom through God's power. He brings clarity through truth, nearness through intimacy, and freedom through God's power. So we're going to unpack them. Let's jump into the very first one. The Holy Spirit brings clarity through God's truth. Here's what Scripture tells us about the Holy Spirit. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. They... they the names around the Holy Spirit, one of the names they give him is the spirit of truth, that he will bring you to the truth of God through the word of God. And what's interesting about the Bible is this. The Bible is simple enough for an elementary kid to be able to read it and see the love and the height and the width and the breadth of the love God has for him or her. But equally, the Bible is deep enough that all of us go, I don't know what I just read. Right? How many of you have ever read the Bible and went, I don't know what I just read? If you've ever done a, a walk through the Bible in a year plan, you hit all of them. You're like, what does that even mean right now? I'm just, I got through today's reading. I am lost. See, the, the Bible is, is equally simple enough for an elementary kid and deep and rich enough for theologians to write Book after book after book, exegeting verse by verse. And it's deep enough that we need the Holy Spirit to help us understand what it's saying. See, when you hit stuff in the Bible you don't understand, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide me to all truth. Help me under understand what I'm reading. In fact, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians. The deep things of God. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we, followers of Jesus, have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. It's like he gave you something, and now the Holy Spirit is going to help you understand the instruction manual. Like, let me help you understand this. And the Holy Spirit actually helps you understand God's truth. He brings clarity. And truth is not something that's like super cool to think about. I have truth now. Like, you don't think about truth until you're confused. Like, I don't care about directions until I'm lost, right? Like, I know where I'm going, but once I get lost, first thing I pull up, ways. Where am I going? If the cell towers went down, I just live there. Wherever I got light, this is where I live from now on. It's my new address. See, so why is truth so important? Because we live in such a confused world. Like, you look around and go, I don't get it. How can everybody claim a different truth? Like, not just different thoughts or opinions, different truth. Like, it's such a confused... You know what? I want to talk to students for three minutes. And as I talk to students, I do this because sometimes adults listen better when I'm talking to them. And it's really for all of us. But let me talk to students. You live in a confusing world. Way more confusing than the world I grew up in. And I thought that was confusing. Things that were settled truth suddenly are now lies. And things that were always lies are suddenly now truth. And, and it feels like it changes every one or two or three years. It's why you can pull a clip from somebody 10 years ago and cancel them today. Because what they said back then was true and now we changed it. And now it's not true and now it's a lie. Like it, it, I, I don't know how you guys process the confusion of this world. And listen, one of Satan's most prolific tactics is confusion. The devil wants you to be confused. He, he, he wants you to be confused on your purpose and your great value. He, he, he wants confusion to reign, confusion on your gender, your sexuality, or your value, or your worth, or your morals, or what truth is. He doesn't care about all those things I listed. He just wants you confused. His end goal is not those things. It's confusion. Go back to the garden. What did Satan do with Eve? He confused her into thinking, God's up there. You'll never be him. So here's the deal. Eat the fruit and you'll be like God. And in her confusion, he convinced her to eat the fruit. And he said, listen, lower God down to you and elevate yourself. Then go to the Tower of Babel. What were they trying to do? Build a tower to get to God. Elevate self, lower God. Do you know what the word Babel actually translates to? Confusion. Remember, God scrambled the language after they did that because there was confusion. What the Spirit of God wants to do is God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God wants to bring you to a clarity of truth, not so you can stand on a soapbox and say, I got it and you're all wrong, but so that you can make decisions based on truth. Because when you make decisions from lies, you always end up back in deserts. And many of us are in deserts in our faith because we've been building off lies. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is to bring clarity through God's truth by God's word. 
And students, this is why we're in a season right now of doing succession for the sake of the next generation. And you're going to hear that statement enough between now and August that you're going to want to throw up every time I say it. So I apologize. See, we want the next generation to know God because once they do, they can know his truth, his presence, and then they can find freedom and discover their purpose, not be confused about why God put them here. And then they can live a life that makes a difference. You see, August 6th is not primarily Pastor Kevin and I making a transition. It is a whole church making a shift to focus on the next generation. And so church, you're going to begin to hear us calling you and inviting you to invest in the next generation. You're going to start hearing us saying, you might need to come serve on Wednesday nights. Come be a daymaker. As middle school joins high school, M12 joins age 12 on Wednesdays, you might say, I need to go invest there. And you might need to start being a daymaker and serving there. Listen, put this date in your calendar, the week of July 16th to the 22nd. You might need to take work off because we're doing, I, I don't have time to unpack it. On the 21st, I will. We're going to blow the roof off of summer camp this year. We, you're, we've never seen anything like what we're going to try to pull off. Thousands of students at our campus here in Sugarloaf, all of our church, one place. We need three or 400 more people to say, I'm going to take work off. I'm going to come be a daymaker here. Here's just a picture of the worship night from this last week. I just want you to get a picture. This is half the students that we anticipate God sending to us here for summer camp. It's going to be bonkers, and we are excited for what God's going to do through camp. And as we invest, we're going to ask you to invest because it's not about Pastor Kevin and I. Hey, here's a gold Rolex and a handshake and good job. You're done. No, it's it's all of us saying the next generation needs to know the truth of God. See, it's why on August 6th, we're going to do an offering, a next gen offering to say we're going to go make some investments in the facilities for our, our kids in K-12. All this stuff is a part of the ecosystem God's calling us to because ultimately our calling is a church to make sure that the next generation and all of us have clarity through God's truth in a world that's confusing. Second thing the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit brings nearness through intimacy with God. He brings nearness through intimacy with God. You could say that the story of Scripture, you could say that the story of the Bible is God trying to draw nearer and nearer to humanity. In the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God perfectly in perfect relationship until sin entered the world. Distance. And ever since that moment, God's like, I want to be near my people. So he started with the, the tabernacle and then the temple, and he would, he would hang out in the Holy of Holies where they could go like once a year. And so God was around his people. And then God sent Jesus to walk among his people. And God's like, that's great. I want one step further. I want God in you. Not just around you, not just with you, but in you. And, and God is saying, listen, you, you are so loved and so valuable that I would put my spirit in you. What was once reserved for a massive, beautiful, gold, gaudy temple that had all these rules and regulations to allow my presence to be there. You are so loved and valuable. I'll hang out inside of you. Like, I'll make my home address you. 
See, the evil one wants you to think you are not valuable, you are not loved, and you have been deserted by God. And what the Holy Spirit says is, uh-uh, nah. The value you have, that God would literally say, I choose to live in you. So here's what Romans says. It's beautiful. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, the Holy Spirit, we can actually say, Abba, Father, to God. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Like part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to draw us nearer to God the Father through intimacy. And his spirit testifies to your spirit. You've been adopted by God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a son or a daughter, not a servant out in the court. You're not his lawn care worker. You're his son or his daughter. It's like your friend who has a backstage pass and you're like, I'm not allowed back there. And he's like, yeah, you are. That's your dad. Let's go, dude. Like that's the Holy Spirit. The places you think you can't get to in relationship with God, the Holy Spirit literally testifies to your spirit. You are God's children. As my kids have gotten older, the Holy Spirit has taken me to new places with this thought because most of my childhood, I related to God more like a distant CEO than like a dad. And I didn't value his presence, his nearness like I do now. Like when I had kids, I realized what my kids really want is me. I can remember friends in high school whose parents divorced and so the dad was sort of well off in a couple of these situations and he'd buy them cars and clothes. Like they drove the nicest stuff, had the nicest clothes, took the coolest vacations. And when you're friends with them, they're close enough to say, I don't care about the stuff. I just wish I had my dad. The best gift he could give you was himself, his presence. And that's what the Holy Spirit testifies to you about. Like, hey, you can be nearer and know God more than you're currently experiencing. And the Holy Spirit reminds you, you have a father in heaven. You get to call him dad. You get to talk to him different, not like a CEO, but like a dad. I could talk for an hour here. Got to move. Number three, the Holy Spirit brings freedom through God's power. Holy Spirit brings freedom through God's power. Here's what Romans says, a couple different verses. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been, notice the tense, not future tense, past tense. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been set free from sin, and have now become slaves to righteousness. You used to be owned by sin. What the Holy Spirit does is, is he helps set you free through God's power. And if you look at that verse and say, that's not been my experience, I'm telling you, you're settling for less than God offers. And I'm not talking about perfection. Ask my wife. <laughs> Don't ask my wife. It's not perfection, but it's when we, when we say as a church, part of our calling is to help people find freedom. This is what we're talking about. That you, you can have the handcuffs that sin used to have on your life set free. 
Not that you won't stumble and need forgiveness again. Not that you won't make a mistake, but you don't have to be owned by it. You don't have to make, that doesn't have to be your first go-to. Your, your proclivity doesn't have to be sin. It can be righteousness. And the Holy Spirit's like, you can't do that on your own. And guess what? You don't have to. That's part of my role is to bring the power of God to set you free. And I can't even fully explain it. I just know this, that the Holy Spirit helps you to conquer things that once conquered you. Secret places that no one knew about. They were stuck in addiction. Websites you, you used to frequent. Anger that used to reign in your life. Hate towards people that were different than you or that cut you off for whatever reason. Like Now that one is like the Holy Spirit doesn't need to worry about that one. But the other stuff, when they cut you off, he's not there with me. But there is a power in the life of a believer to live a holy life before a holy God. And we might be settling for less. You see, those three things, power, nearness, and truth, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to the life of a believer. But most of us start with over here in power, and you're disappointed because you don't feel God's power in some area of your life. But I want you to see this. You can actually trace back where things broke. You don't feel like you're experiencing the power of God over sin. Go back to nearness. You might not have been paying attention to the nearness side. Time in prayer, time pursuing a relationship. And if you're here like, I don't feel the nearness of God, then go back because maybe you've drifted from believing his truth and aligning your life to his truth. You see, it comes back to truth. And when you align your life to the truth of God, you get the nearness of God. And when you are near God, you get access to the power of God. And that's how you get out of spiritual deserts. That's how your life flourishes. See, because the reality is the Holy Spirit is not our personal concierge. It'd be awesome, but he's not. Like when I talk about Death Valley to Super Bloom, this is not. The Holy Spirit's going to make your life perfect and problem-free and awesome, and you're going to win the lottery next week, and you're going to have a mansion, and you're going to be filthy rich, and everything in your life, you're going to just eat donuts and lose weight. Like, it's amazing. That's not what I'm talking about. How many of you, just, this is not even in the notes, if you had a superpower, like most people say things like fly or x-ray vision, my superpower would be eat anything I want and have a six-pack of abs. Like that would be my, anyone, are you with me? Wow, you guys would fly, lame. It would get so, so old. Imagine me eating a whole pizza and you're like, how is he so fit? It's my superpower. Anyway, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to bring the power of God and the presence of God and the truth of God, but all those things only work when you're chasing the purpose of God. That's what he wants to do, which goes to the next piece. If all that's true, that God wants to bring that into the life of a believer, how do we get access to that? Like, how do we, I want that. How do I get that? That's bad theology, but just, I want more of what you're talking about. See, here's where we hit a problem. Because when something that's designed to be experienced has to be explained, it gets really tricky. Like, how do you explain the wind? If you're a meteorologist, don't raise your hand. Like, well, technically, no, stop. Like, normal people, 
How do you, like, the wind, like, I don't know, it, like, brushes past you. I don't know where it came from or where it went. Or, like, how do you explain the love you have for a child before you have a kid? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you explain that? You're, you just have to experience it, and then you're like, yep, I know that I know that I know. And yet, I'm still going to try to explain it. So just hear me. I'm going to fall short. Because I'm going to unpack something that's deeply spiritual, uniquely personal, and somewhat mysterious. And I don't have a formula for you because God is not a God of formulas. He's a God of relationship. This is not a one plus one equals two thing. It's more like a one plus one equals seven. And I don't know how to fill in all the blanks for you. But when you experience it, you will know. So I want to do this. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask that the Holy Spirit would help us experience the things I'm going to try to explain. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, across every campus, across every 12-stone home, wherever people are watching. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. God, I would humbly ask that you would whisper things your sons and daughters that I don't have time or ability to say. That you would give experience of these things in ways that I can't make them experience. That you would take us to deeper places with you, better understanding of you, and ultimately a deeper, more flourishing relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, would you fill in all the gaps and for anybody that's hungry for what we just explained you want to do in their life, would you do it? Anyone who would ask, would you do it? In Jesus' name, amen. So let me unpack it. Here's what Ephesians tells us, and it's somewhat interesting how he says it. Paul says this, don't fill yourself up with wine. Getting drunk will lead to wild living. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple things you have to understand. First of all, the command, be filled. It's like a passive command. I don't know how to be filled. I know how to fill something, right? Hey, fill up my cup. Got it. Shh, filled up. Here you go. How do you be filled? Isn't that an interesting thought? Secondly, put that back up if you don't mind. When Paul, when Paul says, do not, be, do not fill yourself up with wine, this isn't an alcohol conversation. By the way, yes, being drunk is a sin. It's wrong. You shouldn't. But he's not saying, like, don't, don't drink a glass of wine or else you'll never get God. That's not what he's saying. What Paul's really saying is simply, you can decide to have your life filled up with this or with this. Pick. And there's no end to the list of things we can fill our life with. God's saying, you can be filled with this, but I would recommend be filled by the Holy Spirit. And my mind is simple, and this is where mine goes. Let me, let me go with it. When I hear the word be filled, I think of the word refill. And when I go to a restaurant, there's nothing worse than a waiter or waitress that's so busy that they never fill your cup up. Right? Anybody else with me? Like, dude, this is supposed to be full of Coke Zero all the time. Never supposed to be empty. I want the ice to Coke Zero ratio to be right. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not super bougie about a lot, but I like... Like, make the Coke Zero right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but equally, when a waiter or waitress is on their refill game, I tip generously. Like, 
my dad used to say a dollar per refill is how much he'd tip. And there's waitresses that made zero dollars. And I was embarrassed and I left like this. I'm so sorry if I had money, I'd give it to you. And then sometimes it was like, they got a ton of cash because that was his deal. And like, what's the universal sign for refill? Two things, either the straw and you're slurping loud when they walk by, or second, like the cool guy, and I'll be right there, right? That's, that's how you get a refill. So for me, I think about refills. And in a, in a restaurant setting, I hate an empty glass. I hate empty cups. I want you to hear something. God loves empty cups. Because if this glass is full to the top, it can't be filled. Full things don't need filling. And what Paul's saying, if you choose to fill yourself up with this, then there's no room to be filled with the Spirit. With a passive command, be filled. You're not responsible for the filling. You're responsible for the emptying. And before God, your role is to bring an empty cup. And we have a tendency to fill ourselves up with things that satisfy for a minute, but are not the things of God. And we want to be filled like I'm in a restaurant. Come on. We don't like the waiting, and we don't like the emptying. And what Paul seems to be saying is, if you want to be filled by the Spirit of God, you have to make room for him to fill you. And let me be really clear, because this is a theological thing you have to understand. When the Bible says, be filled with the, the Holy Spirit, let me, let me bring clarity. You don't get more of God. God gets more of you. Like when the Holy Spirit is like, be filled by the Spirit. It's not like God gave you 10% of him and now 20 and 30. At salvation, the Spirit of God, fully, fully God, fills the believer. But as he gets more of you, he fills you with more of his Spirit. Not more of God. This is a theological thing. But, it, but you have to understand it. You have access to all of God through the Holy Spirit. But when God gets more of you, he can fill you and fill you and fill you. And as you give him access, he will fill it. And whatever you bring to God empty, God will fill. And the path to being filled by the Spirit in the kingdom of God is to show up empty. Not full of self. Not full of sin. Not full of stuff and distraction. There's this discipline of emptying yourself. What might that look like? I, I, again, I, I'm going to tell you what I do, but this is not a formula. Like most mornings, I start out and I pray through my calendar. Every meeting. And I sort of do like this open-handed, like, God, this is all yours. I surrender my calendar to you. Now listen, do I empty my calendar, clear it at 7 a.m. every morning? Of course not. My assistant would kill me. I don't empty my calendar every day, but I would if he asked. See, I'll, I'll, there's seasons where I'll pray through my credit card statements, my bank accounts, and what am I doing? I'm, I'm open-handed, emptying, God, all my resources are yours first. Do I empty my bank account every day? No, my wife would kill me. But I would if he asked me to. I pray through my relationships. My parenting, oh Lord, I pray through my parenting. And there's seasons where I realize I go from this to this 
And instead of coming to God empty, saying, God, would you fill me with your truth and your wisdom and your insight and your power for parenting my kids? I come close-handed. God, here's my plans. Bless them. I got my plan for Luke and Lizzie and Lincoln. And I can't tell you the, the, the amount of times where I hit a desert season in parenting where God's like, I got nothing to fill, bro. You're already full. You're full of all your plans and strategies and the books you've read and the things you're going to do. I got no room to put anything else in your life, bro. And I go back to this disposition. God, my kids are yours first. I empty myself of my plans and my strategies. And the amount of times the spirit of God, again, I, I, how do you explain something you have to experience? I've never heard an audible voice, but like this, the Holy Spirit just put something in my heart like, I'll, be, I'll risk being very personal because it was years ago. The Spirit of God whispered to me, Jason, Luke, my oldest son, he knows that you love him. He doesn't know that you like him. I kind of never come to that on my own. <laughs> I'm not that smart. And I watched. I was in a season of like, I want something more for you, son. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he knew that I loved him enough to invest but I had to have these little moments where, like, hey, son, come here. I love throwing the football with you. I love spending time with you. And I watched him soften towards me. And had I stayed close-handed, full, and not emptied and said, God, it's yours. You fill up. Give me your wisdom, your truth, your power, your discernment. I would have stayed the course on my strategic plan for my son and missed a relationship like I have with him right now. I'm telling you, I'm not special. The Spirit of God would love to have this kind of interaction and relationship with all of us. But you can't come to God full and say, fill me. Before your pastors come out, they're going to pray over you. I want to, I want to flip the illustration. Because the kingdom of God is really not like a restaurant where waiters and waitresses walk around and you just kind of jiggle this and they fill your cup up. It's more like, it's more like this. You ever eaten at Moe's? Love me some, some Moe's. What would happen if you sat at Moe's with an empty drink and waited for a waiter or waitress to come fill your drink up? You'd always be empty. For those of you who've never been to Moe's, they don't have a wait staff. They have the computer in the corner that somehow produces perfect Coke Zero nectar from God for you, but you, but you listen, but you have to get up and go bleep blorp and fill up your drink. See, the kingdom of God is less like I'm waiting for you. What are you going to do for me? And more like I'm going to get up and go seek God. That God, if there is more to this life than I've experienced, if there's more to this faith than I've experienced, I want it. Now, God is the source in a weird way, he's the computer Coke machine. I didn't produce the Coke. I just produced the need and the desire and an empty cup. And that's why Paul's scripture, be filled, is so complicated. Because I can't be filled. I can just prepare myself to be filled. See, here's what scripture tells us. Luke eleven thirteen. This is such good news. If you then who are evil... Parents, know how to get good, give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Asking in this illustration, emptying the cup, 
saying, God, I want more of you. I want the more you offer. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I will align to your truth. Hungry for more of your presence. God, I want to see your power in my life. For many of us, the reason we're in spiritual deserts is because we're sitting at the table at Moe's waiting for a waiter to show up and fill your cup. And the kingdom of God is self-serve. Not self-serving. Self-serve. And you can drink until you puke because God never runs out. You can drink your fill, but you can only fill up what's empty. You can't create it, but you can ask for it. So over the month of May, we're going to be exploring the person of the Holy Spirit. But for this week, are you settling for less than God is offering you in your faith? And if your life has not experienced the things I just explained, you probably are. Confusion in this world when God wants to bring clarity. Distance from God when he wants to bring nearness. Lack of power. You're still caught up in sin and the things that used to ensnare you. You might be settling for less. So I want to I challenge you this week. Maybe every day. Pick it. You might be a morning person, a night person. I like the morning because it sets my day right. Maybe you'll offer an emptying prayer and a filling prayer before God. And we're going to use Paul's scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians 5.8. Don't fill yourself up with wine, getting drunk leads to while living. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, it's not about the wine. It's about don't be full of the things of this world. Be filled with his spirit. So it's going to look like this. Maybe here's maybe what an emptying prayer would look like. And maybe you, you might take this posture with God. Like, God, I empty myself. Ephesians says, don't fill yourself up with fill in the blank. God, is there anything in my life that needs to go in order to make room for you? I lay down my calendar, my resources, my relationships, my pride, my self-reliance. I empty myself and humbly surrender to you in need of a fresh filling from your Holy Spirit. I don't want to settle for anything less than you are offering. In Jesus' name, amen. And then maybe you turn your hands this way and say, God, I'm empty. Would you fill me? Here's what a filling prayer might look like. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. You can have all of me. There's nothing in my life that's off limits. As I align my life to your truth, would you allow me to experience more of your nearness and your power in my life? Please give me a fresh filling with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do is your pastors are going to step up and they're going to model what this would look like. We're going to corporately do what maybe you'll choose to do personally this week. I'm telling you what God would do if you meant the prayer, you can have all of me. I'm empty before you. What he would do, church, fill you. His truth, his intimacy, his power. So pastors, will you lead us into this moment of prayer and pray this over our church? 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.